Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. We're in this series called Kingdom Culture, and I always do this to myself. I'm like, we're in week whatever. I don't even know anymore. I just kind of stopped keeping track. But for those of you that are new, new to church, we, we take things in series, like chunks, like a theme, and we just kind of like beat it into the ground until everybody's tired of talking about it, and then we just kind of move on to the next thing. So this series we're in is called Kingdom Culture, talking about God's kingdom coming to earth, because Jesus, that's what he talked about so much. He talked about how he came so that the kingdom of heaven would be able to come. And so we're to live our lives in that same kind of way, in, in such a way that brings the culture of heaven to this, this earth. And all, of course, this culminates in our year and giving opportunity called the Kingdom Builder Offering. And uh, let me just say something real quick about that, is that you should know your, your giving will go further than you could ever go. I mean, I mean it like this way. There might be the only time you actually experience how your giving made an impact on this world could be in the, the next life, that it can go places that you physically cannot go. In fact, just this week, just this week, this is what we did. Check this out right here. Throw that picture up there for me. We gave away hundreds and hundreds of shoes to a school in Erie and gave new snow boots to every kid at Pfeiffer Burley. Come on, somebody. Is that amazing? That's what you get to be a part of. That's what we get to be a part of, that we are a generous church looking to make a difference, not only in this community, but beyond. And so let me just say this. I believe God is after your, your availability, not just your ability. You with me? Not, not just what you have, have to offer, but you being willing to, to be available to offer whatever God puts in your hands. And so we have an opportunity to do that in a couple of weeks to participate together in the joy of giving. We've been talking about it and we just put it out there for you just to seek God. Say, God, what would you have me bring during that season? And then we allow the, uh, we just let the Holy Spirit deal with you. All right, we don't kind of pressure you. We just let God deal with you. Are you ready for the word today? All right, here we go. I believe it's going to be good. Again, um, I'm just, I feel free because it has nothing to do with me. I'm just a participant with what God wants to speak to us through his, his word. And so it frees me up. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm not trying to persuade you of anything. Sunday is not a stump speech for Colby. This is just me delivering God's word to you. And, and it has everything to do with the condition of your heart, by the way, what you get out of it. Amen. The condition of your heart, the condition of your mind. Is this good soil right in your life right now to be able to receive God work, God's word. So I hope you brought a notebook and a pen. We're going to fly through this. Uh, I have a lot of ground to cover, but let me say this. Did you know that it's been 12 years since the acronym YOLO came out? Thank you, Drake. YOLO. Yeah, I heard somebody say it. YOLO. If you don't know, if you don't know what it stands for, YOLO is like a hashtag that people would use. And it's an acronym that means what it means. You only live once. Some of you are like, oh, that just, that was 12 years ago. I thought that just came out. No, it's time to get out of quarantine. It's time to join us. Um, and some of you are like, well, who's Drake? You know, and what is, what is, what is this YOLO thing? Is this like, is that like YooHoo? You remember YooHoo, the chocolate drink? That you, anybody remember that? Stuff's nasty, isn't it? It's bad. It's bad, but I love it. Um, YOLO means you only live once and people would use it 
to kind of say, hey, like you don't wanna miss out on opportunities. In fact, if you're on social media, what they'll do is they'll take a picture of them doing something crazy, you know, and they'll hashtag it, YOLO, you only live once. Like skydiving, YOLO, you only live once. And again, it's presented as, hey, if, if you don't take that chance in front of you, it might not come around again. You might miss out on an opportunity. There's, there's a risk that maybe you should have taken with your life that you didn't take, right? So it's presented as a good thing, but I want to propose on the flip side of it, it's really a bad philosophy. And it's really a bad way to live our life because you don't only live once. You actually live twice. It's not YOLO, it's YOLT. Come on, somebody. You only live twice. You only live twice, but if you believe it's YOLO, then your, your life is so tied to the things of this life, to this world, that you live in such a way that well, I gotta do everything I can you know, to be successful or to get mine because this life is all there is to this life. But can I tell you something? This life is not all there is to this life. It's not you only live once, it's really you only live twice. And I wanna propose that this life is really a test for the next life. It's kind of preparing you for, for the next life, what's to come. I would say it like this, that, that this life is the shortest amount of time that you will ever live, this life on earth. And the longest amount of time you will ever live is the life you spend in eternity. I love the illustration that somebody does. They take like a hundred foot rope and they'll put a, a piece of tape on one end of it and they'll say that tape right there, that little piece represents your life on this earth and the rest of the rope the other, you know, 100 feet of it represent your life in, in eternity because this life is not all there is to this life. And if you and I want to be successful, which I believe you do, if you want to make a difference, which I believe that, that you do in this, this life, then we have to keep our eyes fixed on the life that is to come. But let's be honest, and it's so easy to get fixated on this life, on our career, on our circumstances, on our hobbies, on our you know, activities, on, on all the things in this life. And again, that's not bad. Success is not bad. I'm all for you flourishing. God wants you to flourish in this life. I'm just telling you, you'll never really be fully fulfilled in life, only living for this life. And so I wanna give you some principles today. I'm gonna give you three principles that I think we need to all be reminded of. And then I'm gonna give you three action steps because I don't wanna just give you principles without giving you some action steps along the way. So if you have your note card, get it out, uh, get out your pen. You know, if you're a note taker, start taking notes. And at home, you have no excuse, by the way, go run to the junk drawer in the kitchen. We all have one. Grab a pen and we'll wait for you. Actually, we won't wait. Here we go. First principle, write this down. I'm just passing through. Like, we have to get this. I'm just passing through this life. I grew up in a church. We, we sang songs like, like this. Maybe you remember. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all, when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victor, shout the victory. Anybody remember that? Come on, you don't know nothing about that right there. Some of you haven't been in church long enough. You just, you were in the bar last week or even yesterday. You don't know nothing about that. But we used to sing songs that reminded us that we're just passing through this life. In fact, we used to say things like we're, we're, we're pilgrimers. We're pilgrims. 
in this, this land. That's kind of how we used to, to talk. We are just passing through this life, that this life is not all there is to this life. But if you think it is, if you think that, that you live and then you die and then you, you turn into a ball of dust and they put you in a box six feet underground, then you will live your life that way. So we have to keep this principle in mind because it's so easy to forget. The gravitational pull, right, is to go, no, it's all about this life. It's all about getting mine. It's all about success. It's all about what I can accumulate. And again, God is not against you having success. In fact, I believe God wants to bless you, but he doesn't want to bless you for you. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the world around you. This life is not all there is to this life. I'm just passing through. And this is what scripture teaches us in Philippians 3.18. It says this, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. That's a bad place to be, by the way. It's a bad place to be. In fact, listen, if you're just checking church out and you're, you're, you don't know what you believe yet, this is a safe place. You don't have to believe what we believe to belong here. We're so glad that you're here. In fact, we always say you're not just welcome here, you are wanted here. And that is true, that we will try to remove every single barrier for you to be able to engage with what God wants to do in your life. The one barrier we will not remove is the cross of Christ. Because at some point in your life, you have to make a decision. What do I do with Jesus? What do I do with the fact that God sent his son to this earth to pay for my sins? We all have to come face to face with that. And it says that many of us are going to live like enemies of the cross of Christ. Their, destruction, their destiny is destruction. You don't want that, by the way. Their God is their stomach. Another way to say that is their God is their, their appetites. It's just their flesh. It's just what, what they can get, what they, they want. And their glory is in their shame. Listen to this. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship, come on, kingdom people, people that want to live in a different kind of, of, of culture, a kingdom culture, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm just passing through. My citizenship isn't here. Like I'm just passing through. I'm going to, my, my, my citizenship, my passport says heaven says eternity. I'm going to get an earth stamp while I'm here. Come on. Right. But I'm just passing through. My citizenship is in heaven. Hebrews 11 is this great chapter on these giants of the faith the Bible describes. It's been dubbed like the, 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 the hall of faith. And it's talking about these great men and women of faith. It says this in Hebrews 11. This is the message version. It says people who live this way, what way? The way that they understand this life is not just about this life. They understand they're just passing through. It says people who live this way make it plain that they are looking for what? Their what? Their true home. Can I ask you something? Where do you consider to be your true home? Is it all tied to here? Is it all tied to, to now? See, this is why people get so shaken in a pandemic. Because they've tied everything to here and now. This is their true home and they're living like this is their true home. But Paul say, hey, live or die. Pandemic or, or no pandemic, this isn't my home. This isn't my eternal destination. If my candidate won or didn't win, it doesn't bother me because this isn't my home. Are you with me? Like, I don't care. This is not my eternal destination. This isn't my citizenship. My citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven and a kingdom has a king. And my only king is Jesus and he's sitting on the throne and he is in charge. He's sovereign. So I don't care. This is not where my home is. 
So he's talking to all these people about these people of great faith that says the people that live this way, there's just something different about them. They're looking for their true home. They were after a far better country. I love the way that, that, that uh, Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. A far better country. Can I tell you something? I'm not putting all of my eggs into the earth basket. It's not all about here and now. I'm after a far better country. Far better place. Like Kentucky. No, I'm just kidding. Not Kentucky. I don't know why I even said that. Like heaven. Where there's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no addiction. There's no pain. There's no suffering. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a far better country. It says this, a heaven country. And you can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Can I tell you something? When you live this way, God's proud of you. Am I the only one that wants God to be proud of them? Like when you live this way where it's not all about here and now, it's not all about what you can accumulate. It's, not a, it's about investing your life in something that is beyond this life. God is proud of you. And he has a city, it says he's building for you. That's a great promise, is it not? That God is building a city, right, for you. He's got a city waiting on you. So I'm just passing through. All that to say, don't get so uptight. People, relax. Don't be so anxious. Like, it's okay. I, I'm just passing through. I'm not saying don't work hard and don't, don't make an effort. Well, here's what I'm saying. Don't get your stomach all in knots when the, the account doesn't come through. Don't get, get all so tied up when that person leaves you, when that job doesn't pan out the way you thought, when, when this happens or, you know, when that, that comes, when things don't work out. We can live with some peace because we're after a far better country. This isn't my true home. And when I live that way, God's proud of me. Here's a second principle. Write it down. My time on earth is short. So if I'm just passing through, my time here is really short. How many of you know that? You really know that your time is short? I know we say that. Don't we say that? That man, time is so short. Time just flies by. But the older I get, come on, how many of you know time just flies by? Does it not? I know if you're in middle school or high school or maybe in your early 20s, it doesn't feel that way. But I'm telling you, like I used to, I never thought I would be thinking in, in year increments. Like I always used to think in like hours or days. I remember being in school, you know, in classroom, watching the clock, just like, could this day be any longer, you know? You just get me out of here. And then, and, and you're like, you know, now it's like, you know, where can I find an hour? Are you with me? Where can I even get an hour? Or, or then you start thinking in terms of weeks, like what am I gonna do this weekend or, or this Friday, you know, we're gonna do this. Or then you start thinking in terms of months, right? And Christmas is next month. Hey, there's a wake up call for somebody. It's like a month away. Hopefully, you know, you're thinking about it. Uh, it's a month away. Um, and then you start thinking in terms of years, like I'm gonna do this next year. I'm gonna do that next year. I'm now thinking in terms of decades, like, where do I want to be when I'm, by the time I'm 50 or by the time that I'm 60? I'm thinking in those kinds of, of terms. All that to say, life moves really fast, does it not? And God knew that. And he knew that you and I would forget that. And so he comes along and says this in James 14. What is your life? You're a what? You're a mist. Hey, aren't you encouraged today? That's your life. You're a mist. What did you learn in church today? I'm a mist. What's up? 
right? You ever taken a spray bottle and sprayed out a mist, right? That just kind of falls to the ground. That's the existence of your life. Awesome, awesome. You're a mist. You appear for a little while, then it vanishes. It says you're here for a second, just a little while, then it vanishes. So let me ask you, why do you get so uptight about building a mist? It's a mist. And it's just a small fraction of, of, of the, the eternity that you're going to have in your, your life. So, so what are you doing with the mist that you have? Are you spraying it out in such a way that it's going to make a difference? Or are you spraying it out in a way that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow? Is it all about you or are you living for something more? I love the way uh, Psalm 90 puts it. It says this, teach us to number our days and recognize what? how few they are. Number your days. Recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. The psalmist is giving us this idea that that our days are kind of like currency. And so we should spend them. We should manage them, you know, in, in, in a way that's being a good steward of the time that we've been given. So let me ask you this. How are you spending your days? Do you know that some of your days you should spend on you? You should. You should have fun. You should do things that refresh you. You should do things that cause you to, to, to be re- refueled. Like you should spend, this is a word from the Lord for somebody. You should spend some days on your motorcycle in Jesus' name. That's what God told me. In fact, God told me, Colby, you should get that BMW GS dual sport off-road bike that you could take an adventure trail ride through the Rocky Mountains, you know, in Colorado. In fact, it's the only time I've ever heard the audible voice of God in my life is... When he told me to do that. So you should spend some days on you. You really should. You really, you should do things that refuel you, but you know what else? You should spend some of your days on others. You can't spend them all on others, right? That's not healthy for you. And a lot of you know, you can't, you can't give anything from a place of being empty. So you have to refuel you, but you should spend days on, on others as well. Why? Because your days are few. So you need to manage them in such a, a way that you don't waste them. Manage that, that time. You know how on your iPhone you have a screen time like uh, graph? That if you, some of you don't ever want to look at that graph. And I know why you don't want to look because you're like, oh. But you look at that screen time graph and it has like 12 hours on social media or, you know, three hours on your calendar or four hours on, on, on message. You know, mine says, you know, a million hours on the Bible app. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't. It doesn't say that at all. It's not even close. Uh, Snapchat, you know, or whatever. I wonder, you know, if you get to heaven, when God just kind of pulls up the, the screen time, you know, graph of your life, you don't want it to say 22 years on Netflix, 12 years on, you know, whatever. Like, that's not what you want. Where is your heart? What are you living for? I just want to remind us that our days are short. Because of that, we need to live them for things that, that matter, matter. You know, what else, you know what else matters? Others, your family, that's what matters. Keeping short accounts, come on somebody, that's, somebody needs to hear that. Forgiving, those around you being generous, capitalizing on moments where you see a need and you can meet a need. Those are things that, that matters. I'm just passing through, my time on earth is short. Here's a third principle, write it down. Therefore, I need to make the most of every opportunity. I'm just passing through. My life is short. 
So I have to make the most of every opportunity. This is what Ephesians 5.15 says. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every what? Say it out loud. Opportunity, because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity. That word opportunity is around the idea of of time, not like chronological time. Uh, in fact, there are two different words that describe time in God's word. There's, there's chronos, which is where we get the word chronological, which is kind of like time in a linear fashion, right? That's one second, two seconds, three seconds, you know, one hour, two hours, that's chronological time. But there's also another kind of time is called um, kairos, which means an opportune time. It's to capitalize on opportunity, it's like the old saying goes, you know, there's, there's a, a, an opportunity of, the life, of a lifetime, but chronos is that, that there's a lifetime to the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? That you could miss it if you don't capitalize on it. So that's what the writer of Ephesians is saying here. Make the most of the, the kairos moment that happens. Those moments that you're presented with when a door opens or a window of opportunity comes, make the most of that opportunity because he says the days are evil. So be very careful how you live. As wise, not as unwise, making the most of the Kairos moments, the, the God moments in your life, the, the moments where you see someone in need that needs a hug and you give them a hug. And you, know, and you know how you can tell when you ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? They're like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. There is a moment there that you could miss. If you're like, man, I know you're not fine. Now I want to give you a hug or, or the moment to, to give somebody an elbow bump. I don't know about you, but I'm so over elbow bumps, right? Let's just hug. I'm just saying. Make the most of these opportunities. Otherwise, you'll miss it. The opportunity to be generous. You see a need and meet a need in that moment. You don't let it pass you by if you're not careful. That's what he's saying about how you live. You'll miss these kairos moments, the moment somebody needs a prayer. That you grab their hand and you, and you believe with them in faith for something, or you speak an encouraging word into their life. He's saying, don't miss these moments. Be careful how you live because you're just passing through. Your time is short, right? You, you may not get this opportunity again if you miss it. And can I tell you something? When you and I miss those Kairos moments, we miss the opportunity to be filled in a way that few other things could ever fulfill you. Because it's those moments, right, where you live your life open-handedly that God puts in front of you that you could be a blessing to others around you. So talking about making the most of every opportunity, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. He says this, but on the judgment day, I need to stop right here. Because if you didn't know it, now you do. There will be a judgment day that comes. And what you did, right, will be Judge. Now, this isn't referring to the judgment of did you accept Christ or not. That day is coming too. In fact, there are two judgments uh, in, in eternity. One is the great white throne judgment. That's what did you do with, with Jesus. But there's another judgment. It's called the Bema seat of Christ or the judgment seat of Christ. And it says this, that the fire, check it out, what will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. We're all working we're all doing something. That's why you can ask anybody, you know, you know, how are you doing? How are things? And generally the response is, I'm tired. I'm busy. I got a lot to do, right? Because all of us are working. Nobody's sitting at home eating bonbons, except those of you that are online right now. That's what you're doing. <laughs> but we're all busy. And so we're all working to build something. I guess the question is, what are you building? 
And so it says the fire is going to reveal what you're building. What, what, what kind of work each builder has done, the fire will show whether or not the work you did has any, check it out, value to it. That it will last. Not, not if you have value because you have tremendous value. I mean, you are so valuable. God loves you so much, you need to know that. So it's not that meaning you, it's meaning what you did with you. Did what you do with you, did that bring value? And come on, I don't know about you, but I would hate to get to heaven and realize that everything I put my effort and energy into didn't have value. It just burned up. It says if the work survives, survives what, that fire? The builder will receive a reward. So check this out. Not only does God want you not to miss those Kairos moments where you can help somebody and be generous. You see a need and meet a need. You pray for someone. You can encourage someone in the moment. He says that when you do that, those start to stack up in heaven and he's actually going to reward you for what you did here on this earth. That, that word reward means actually is apodetomite. It means pay you back. Is that how awesome? God wants to pay you back for what you did here on this, this earth. So it's not like, you know, don't begrudgingly go, well, I guess, you know, I'll pray for that person if I have to. I got a couple seconds, right? No, no you, we, we get to do that. It's not, it's not begrudgingly. It's not, well, I guess I'll participate in the, the offering, you know, the kingdom builder offering. No, we get to. We get to participate in it and be generous. We often say generosity is our, our privilege. And we don't do it so that God will reward us. That's not our motivation. But this is an amazing thing that happens. God rewards the open-handed. So what do we do, Colby? How do we put all this into action? How do we you know, live this out? I'm going to give you three things real quick, and then we're going to be done. And that is to give this message feet. The first thing is this. Here's the action steps. You have to look ahead, not around. Write that down. Look ahead, not around. How many of you know what you, you focus on gets magnified in your life? And what is magnified in your life gets your focus. It gets all your attention. So we have to learn to look ahead. What is getting our focus not looking around. Here's what God's word says in Hebrews 11. It says, Moses says he, he's talking about Moses, chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was what? Looking ahead to his reward. Looking ahead to the way he was gonna get paid back. Let me ask you this. How are you living your life? Are you looking ahead or are you looking around? Are you focused on what's to come or are you focused on, on your, your circumstance? Are you, are you looking ahead or are you looking around and are you willing to look at the screen time usage on your iPhone to see where it is that you're looking? Or let me ask you like this. Do you think our world right now is currently more defined by looking ahead or looking around? Can I tell you what? This would change your life. If you and I would start to look ahead and not around, this would change so much in your life. How you endure pain, you could endure more pain by looking ahead than looking around. How you could get through a frustrating season, you can do it by looking ahead, not, not looking around. You know how you could, could not live so frustrated in the world that we're in by looking ahead 
Come on, not around. Get your eyes off your circumstances. Turn off the news like I'm helping somebody today. Look ahead, not around. Look ahead to what's to come in eternity, your heavenly reward. Look ahead to the author and perfecter of your faith, Jesus, who, by the way, right now is not worried. He is not concerned. He is anxious for nothing. He is on the throne. He is in control. Heaven is not having an emergency meeting about how to fix things in this world right now. They're not concerned. We look ahead to heaven. We don't just look around. God's in control. He's not shaken. And he is calm. So we need to get our eyes focused on what's to come. I'm not being, talking about being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Have you heard that before? That's not what I'm saying. But some of us are so, so earthly minded, right, that we can't see things that are beyond this earth. We can't see the things of heaven. I'm not talking about being blind either, walking around like, oh, I'm just, heaven is the place. You know, it's just heaven, heaven, heaven. No, don't do that. That's, that's dumb. You give Christians a bad name when you do that. Don't do that. I'm just saying there should be something different about you. If you're a kingdom person, you want to bring the kingdom of heaven, there should be something different about you when the world is spinning out of control there should be something different about you. When everyone is running to Walmarts, yes, you gotta put an S on the end of that, Walmarts to get toilet paper and to get milk, there should be something different about you. When everyone is getting tossed and turned by the waves of, of culture and the world, there should be something different about you. There should be an anchor of hope. The Bible says there's an anchor for my soul that I'm not tied to the circumstances of this world, right? While ever you go ahead, you spend time scrolling through your Facebook feed trying to see what's right or what's wrong or where the truth is or what's broken and try to fix it. I already discovered that what was broken was Colby and I needed a savior and he set me free. He sent me his spirit of truth, by the way, who lives in me and will lead me to all truth and understanding. That's what I'm living for. Like, stop worrying about the things of this world. Look, look ahead. Not around, not around. Here's the second thing I need to give you. And that is give up something I want now for something I want more later. Have you ever seen those, uh, those, those videos where you put a little kid in a room and you put like a, an Oreo cookie in front of them and you say, if you just wait right here, actually let's, for me, cause this would be more temptation, a, a Krispy Kreme, hot now donut. You put it right in front of you. You say, hey, listen, if you just wait, you don't eat this one right now, right? I'll come back and I'll give you a half a dozen. And I could nail a half a dozen Krispy Kremes like that. But you say, you just wait, right? And what do you see? You see those kids just staring at it. And their mouth starts drooling and they're like getting antsy. Some even like turn the other way so they don't have to see it, you know, do all kinds of things. And then some will just, just eat it. And then the world that we live in, right, is this, this instant gratification kind, kind of world that we, we live in. But this is saying I need to give up something that I want now for something that I want even more later. And this really is the definition of sacrifice. I think a lot of times we think of sacrifice in terms of I have to give up something that I love for something that I hate. That's not sacrifice. That's not sacrifice. I gotta give that up. No, sacrifice is giving up something that you want now in the moment for something you want more later on, later on. 
So that's what sacrifice is. So I sacrifice eating that Krispy Kreme donut now so I can go to the beach later on. That's, that's what I'm doing, right? We give it up because we want something more later on. And we all un- intuitively understand this because you live your life this way. A lot of you, like we, we work hard now, right? We save now. We spend less than we make now. We are frugal now so that hopefully later on we can take a break. We can rest. We can retire. We can just maybe have more time with the grandkids, you know, and then hopefully return the grandkids, you know, back to the parents. That's what you grandparents love to do. I I get you. You're giving up something that you want now for something that you want more later on. Are you following me? Even in a relationship, you you can give up something that, that you know you want something later on in that relationship. You want trust. You want purity. You want honor. You want to have standards. So you're giving up now one night stands or compromise or, 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 or you know, shacking up with someone. You give up something because you know you want something more. That's what he's saying. And so the Bible says it in this way. In Matthew 6, 19, it says, don't. Everybody say don't. Don't. That's not ambiguous, by the way. This does not require any more clarification. He says, don't store up treasures on earth. They don't do it. Where moth eat them and rust destroy them, where thieves break in and steal, but do store up treasures in heaven. That stuff doesn't happen. Where moth doesn't eat them, rust can't destroy them, and thieves don't break in and steal them. Why? It says, because where your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be also. The most accurate diagnostic test for the condition of your heart, you know what it is? Is your calendar and your bank account. You don't have to like it, but that's the reality of it. You just have to look at your calendar. Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your energy? Look at your bank account. Where are you spending your your money? Where are your resources going? That is the most accurate test of where your treasure is. Because where your treasure is, there's the desires of your heart will be also. Is Matthew telling us don't have anything? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, just don't make this place your storehouse. Don't put stuff here. It's not going to last here. You're going to have to replace that stuff here. We all know this. There's nothing that you have here that will last. You have to replace your home. You have to replace your car, everything like in your life, you know, eventually you have to replace. So store for yourselves treasures in heaven where that stuff doesn't happen. I think about in terms of this, let's say, let's say we're all going to take a trip to Mexico, to Cabo. Does anybody want to go? Let's go. All right. Mexico, Cabo. And say, we're going to stay at the Ritz Carlton in Cabo because why not, you know? And we get there to Mexico and they're like, hola, bienvenidos, amigo, you know, kind of thing. And we're like, oh, what's up? And you get to the Ritz Carlton. They say, all right, here you go. Welcome to the Ritz. There's only just a few, few rules that we have. Like you can you, you stay here and you can, you can spend as much money as you want to here. You can load up, you can buy anything that you want while you're here. However, you can't take it with you back to your home in America. Well, I guess Mexico's in America, sorry. The United States. Are you with me? But you can wire transfer anything you want on ahead. So you got the rules, Cabo, Ritz-Carlton, January, you and me, let's go. You can buy anything that you want there, but you can't take it away from there 
but you can wire transfer it on ahead. Let me ask you this. Would you spend all your money, all your energy, all your resources, like filling your hotel room with stuff? Not if you're smart, you wouldn't, because you just have to leave it all there for housekeeping, right? To, to take. That's what Matthew's saying in this verse. He says, you're on this earth for a little while. You're in a, the hotel room of, of earth, right? And you can't, it, you can't take anything with you, but you can wire transfer it on ahead to the next life as much as you want. So why would you spend your time filling up your hotel room with stuff that's not going to last? That thieves are going to break in and steal. That moth and rust are going to destroy all the stuff you can't take with you. That's what he's saying. So I'm going to give up something I want now for something that I want even more later. What do I want later? I want treasures in heaven. I want my heart to be connected with the things of God. I want my heart to be connected right there, not, not here, because where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. Here's the final one I want to give you, and that is I'm going to be deliberate about making a difference. So I got to look ahead, not around, right? Make sure my eyes are fixed and focused on, on the things to come. I got to give up something now. Right, something I want now for something I want even more later. I'm learning the value of, of deferring, right? just waiting. And then three, be deliberate about making a difference. Be intentional, consciously aware of, not acting out of impulse. And let me give you two ways real quick to be deliberate in making a difference in this season. Obviously, we have an opportunity to give above and beyond in the coming weeks. And I don't even mind talking about it. I just, I, I love it when our church comes together and people say, you don't want to invite anybody, you know, on that weekend. Actually, yes, you do. I think people, they love seeing a generous church. They, there's just something about living generously in our community. And I think it's attractive. The heart of Jesus was generosity. And so I think there's something about, about being a part of that and witnessing that, whether you're, you participate in it or not, but just being here. We have the opportunity to go above and beyond with that offering, but some of you don't need to bring an offering. Dang, PC, you're not doing a good job at raising the offering by telling people they don't need to bring an offering. What is this, some sort of Jedi mind trick? These are not the droids you are looking for. <laughs> My four-year-old does that cracks me up. No, but you cannot bring an offering if you have not been faithful with the tithe. Because by definition, an offering is over and above the tithe. And so my challenge for some of you is this, that in the, the year end offering, it would be the time that you start to maybe tithe. Give a 10%. A tithe just means a tenth. A tenth of all your increase, all that God puts into your hands, you're returning it back to God. And by the way, we say returning because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you anyway. It's all God's. It's, it's all his in the first place. So maybe the challenge for you would be you need to start to tithe. You need to start to, to trust God with what he's, he's given you. And every time, by the way, m my wife and I, we do this. We would never lead you someplace that we wouldn't be willing to go. So we do this. Every time we get paid, it's the first thing that comes out of our paycheck. I get a notification in my, my email. You know, here's the, the tithe check that's, that's come out. And so I pause and I stop right then and there. And I thank God for all that he's given me. As soon as I see it, I thank God for all that he's given me. 
like a beautiful wife, family, a, a great church, you. I'm thankful for you, at least most of you. <laughs> Thank God for all that he's blessed us with. And then I ask him, I'm like, God, would you, would you use this? in a wise way to make an impact in our community? And then would you bless the rest? Because I've just learned that, that God can do more, you know, and more can happen through the 90% with God's blessing on it than can happen with 100% without it. And I can't give out, give God. I've just, I've just learned that in my, my life. And so here's the way the Bible says it. It gives us this promise in Malachi 3.10. It says that if you'll do this, if you'll bring the whole tithe, 10%, into the storehouse, which let me challenge you on something and listen to my heart on this. I don't care if you give here. So please give someplace else that your heart's connected to, that you're, you're being fed. Because I want to challenge you, the storehouse is the local church. And specifically, it's the local church where you're being fed. So whether that's online and you're watching online and you're connected to the church that way, or it's in person and you're here in the building, tithing is not... I'm going to give 2% to this alma mater. I'm going to give another 2% to this organization. I might give 3% to the church. I might give 4% to the city mission. So it all equals about 10%. That's not, that's not tithing. So the whole tithe comes into the storehouse, belongs to the storehouse. He says, so there may be food in my house. So there may be plenty in my house to meet the needs in the world around you, to meet the needs even of the people in the church. Can I just say this real fast? You know what I showed you that picture of, and I know I'm, I don't, I'm not even watching the clock anymore, but you know that picture we saw of the, 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 the little girl getting boots? We had kids crying. We had kids crying about, you know, can I take these home? We had teachers, you know, that were bawling. We were giving all these cards. I mean, it's just amazing what we get to be a part of, but it's not just helping them, it's helping you. So I wanna say this right now, put this to everyone in the room or watching online. If you need children's boots, don't leave here today without getting them. Our hearts to be generous. We want to take care of the church family as well. And we still have hundreds of pairs of boots that we would love to bless you with. If you are in need, don't feel weird about it. Don't feel awkward about it. It is our privilege to be able to share this with you. You come down here right after this service and we will get you boots. Are you with me? Are you good with that? All right. We're going to have people help you do that. Don't feel weird about it. He says, there may be food in my house so that we can be a blessing. He says, test me in this, says the Lord. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And you should understand the people he's talking to, they understood this because their lives were, were an agricultural life. And we talked about floodgates of heaven, providing the rain, sending the rain so that you know, their harvest would be, be plentiful. Like they, they, they get that. So much blessing, there will not be enough room to store it. And I know some of you are thinking, all right, Colby, well, I will tithe when God blesses me, when he throws open the floodgates. That's not how it works. No, you, you go on faith first. He says, test me in this, trust me in this and watch God be faithful to his promises. Now for others of you real quick, you're faithful in giving. And so your offering in a couple of weeks will be an offering. It'll be over and above, and you're ex excited about doing that. You've been praying, hopefully, about what God would have you, you bring. Let me challenge you to sacrificial giving. What do you mean? I mean giving in a way that costs you something. Not giving in a way that's just, just comfortable for you, but something that will cost you. That means maybe you have to delay something 
currently that you're looking forward to? That BMW GS dual sport bike, that's me. Right? You might have to delay it for something that you want even more later on. Sacrificial giving. So that means for some of you, $100 over and above your tithe might be a sacrifice. For others of you, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a sacrifice. For some of you, 10000 you know, over and above. That would be a sacrifice. Others of you, that wouldn't be a sacrifice. Your gift would have to be 100000 and I know some of you are like, dang, Colby, like that's really bold. It's actually not bold of me. I'm just telling you, I just, I just have to put God's word out there and boldly proclaim it and let the Holy Spirit, he'll deal with you. I'm still waiting for somebody to come up with a one-time $1 million gift. That would be over and above. It hasn't happened yet. Maybe this year, right? That would be over and above. I would challenge you to sacrificial giving. Because together we're all going to make such an impact for the kingdom. I want you to see how one church did it and I'll be done. Second Corinthians 8 says this. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. That in the midst of very, a very what? In the midst of a pandemic. In the midst of a crazy economy. In the midst of I've lost, I've lost my job. In the midst of, I'm trying to figure it out. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. So this wasn't a rich church. They didn't have all the kinds of means in the world. What does it say? It says it welled up in rich generosity. You don't often see those phrases together. Overwhelming joy, overflowing joy, extreme poverty, rich generosity. It says, for I testify, they gave as much as they were able and went beyond their ability. They stretched themselves. They, they gave sacrificially. They didn't just do what was comfortable, right? They went beyond their comfort entirely on their own. They pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing. They're like, Paul, don't leave us out of this. I mean, we're begging you. Let us participate. Let us be a part. They pleaded for the opportunity of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And listen to this. They exceeded our expectations they gave themselves first. And that's where it begins, by the way. It begins with you giving your whole heart. Tithing, giving, generosity, this is a spiritual issue. And so we always ask you, just ask God. Just ask God about it. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. And then by the will of God, it says they gave also to us because they understood this life is not all there is to this life. You can wire transfer ahead to the life that really matters. But first by giving of yourself, getting to that place where you decided, you know what? This isn't all about me. God, what would you have me do? God, what would you have me do? In fact, every year I will pray and ask God, you know, God, what would you have me bring? for the offering and then Kristen will pray and then we'll, we'll end up talking about it. And here's what I know always, every time the first number is Colby and it's what I'm comfortable with. And the second time number is God and it stretches me and it increases, it increases my faith. But I just believe God wants us to be a generous church. Would you do this? Would you just stand to your feet wherever you are in this room? Bow your head, close your eyes. 
because we're gonna enter into a time to worship, but I just have two questions for you as we do that right now. And really, here's what I believe. This is a holy moment. Don't rush off. Listen, we're just gonna sit. This is, this is not a, a pressure thing. We're not even giving right now. This is just an opportunity to ask God, God, what are you speaking to me? Because God's word is true. He says the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth and understanding. He'll direct you. He'll give you wisdom if you ask for it. So God, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I know there's nothing quite tied to our heart. Like this, this area of our lives of of money and giving and being generous. But God, I want to be a person that doesn't store up my treasure here. I want to store it up in eternity. I want it to make a difference. I want my life to count much beyond my life. And so God, we know that your spirit will lead us in the truth that will reveal to us, God, our desperate need for you and what it looks like to be a part of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth in Jesus' name. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.